When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the recap podcast. Um, so first off, uh, forgive me for not posting yesterday. Uh, I had a uh, planning period meeting and I lost my planning period, so I didn't get a chance to record. So I'll recap yesterday and today uh, as quickly as I possibly can. So uh, yesterday was actually pretty simple. We went over the, the separation of powers and the checks and balances. Uh, remember, the separation of powers comes from the ideas uh, written down by Montesquieu by back whenever he was around. Um, and just the fact that we don't want one person um, or one group to have the ability to write laws, enforce laws, and judge laws. It's just bad for business and, and for the limited government that we wanted to create. So the people that wrote the Constitution came up with the idea, let's use the separation of powers and let's create these three branches. Let's create the legislative branch that writes them. Let's create the uh, executive branch that enforces those laws, and then the judicial branch that will judge them. And so that'll keep them separate, so the separation of powers, um, and not allow one of them to become too powerful. Now, how do they guarantee that not one of those will become too powerful? Well, they put in some checks and balances. Now, I'm not going to go through the long list. Uh, I put the Kahoot on E-Class. If you want to go back and look at that, it goes through some of the things uh, that allows them to check. Um, also, uh, the PowerPoint is on E-Class as well. So you can find those, all the checks and balances. But, you know, things like the legislative branch um, has the ability to override vetoes of the president, impeach the president, uh, give advice and consent. When I say that, I'm talking about they get to uh, confirm treaties, confirm appointments and things like that. Um, over the uh, judicial branch, they control the districts, the number of judges that are out there, they can write legislation that kind of overturns a um, court decision. They can create an amendment that overturns a decision. So they have a lot of options. Remember, the legislative branch was supposed to be the most powerful branch because those were the ones that were going to be running things. All right. The executive branch uh, over the, the legislative branch, they have the veto power. And that's really the big one um, is that. We talked about a few other things, but, you know, vetoing uh, is really the big one because the legislative branch writes the laws. The president cannot write a law and then give it to the legislative branch. Um, they can make suggestions, but at the end of the day, it's up to the president. Uh, I mean, it's up to, the, uh, to Congress to actually write up the laws and propose them and things like that. Uh, over the uh, judicial branch, the, the president does get to appoint all federal judges. Um, so that's the big one uh, there. And then the, the courts, uh, they're kind of limited because they're really heavily dependent on the other two branches, specifically uh, when it comes to the enforcement of their decisions. And you know, we said over the legislative branch, <clears throat> the courts can rule things unconstitutional. I referenced Georgia's uh, abortion law from a couple of years ago that got invalidated or declared unconstitutional. And then um, you've got the, the president, okay? Uh, they get to uh, the, the courts can rule presidential actions as unconstitutional uh, but once again they are reliant on the president for enforcement 
uh, and I probably should have said this when I was talking the president's uh, checks and balances. Uh, and I like to reference Jackson's quote about uh, John Marshall and the Supreme Court back when the Cherokee won their case. Hey, John Marshall, you made your decision. Now you come and enforce it. They don't have that power. They don't have that ability. All right. Uh, today, on Wednesday the 18th, we had a, a pretty great Kev, uh, pretty great guest speaker. So our schedule was a little bit off. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the, uh, the speaker. I, I know I did. Um, but anyways, we went very quickly over the amendment process and then the impeachment process because we did have a short time. So just very quickly, the amendment process, remember there's two ways to, there's two ways to propose an amendment. And it's a two-step process to propose. First off, someone in Congress has to propose uh, the amendment, whatever it might be. All right. So we're in Congress. I step up and say, hey, I want to make this amendment to the Constitution. We will then talk about it, discuss it, and vote on it. If two-thirds of both houses, and that's a key number to remember, two-thirds of both houses uh, say, yes, this is something we would like to pursue, then it becomes an official proposal. Okay, so you've got the Congress option with two thirds of Congress or the other proposal option would be for a special national convention to be called and have two thirds of those delegates say, yes, we want to propose this amendment. We've never done it. We already have Congress in place. So why do it? So there's that. And then it goes from proposal. Once it's been approved by two thirds, it goes to the states and typically. 26 out of the 27 times, it's gone to the state legislature. So those, those people down in Atlanta uh, are st- at our state capitol building that, that are making laws for us here in Georgia, uh, they get to look at it and they get to vote on it. And if 38 or three-fourths of the state legislatures, so three-fourths of the 50, uh, say yes to this amendment, then it becomes an amendment to the Constitution. So a couple things to remember about it. Uh, excuse me. The other process would be to call state conventions. We've done it once. We did it for prohibition. I don't know why. I need to look it up. In fact, as soon as I'm done recording this, I'm going to look it up uh, so I can maybe have an answer for you. But uh, we would, the same process though, state conventions uh, versus state legislatures, and then three-fourths of them would have to approve it. A uh, couple things about it, all right? First off, it's purely legislative. The president is nowhere to be found. The president cannot create amendments the president cannot veto amendments so they are completely out of this deal the other thing is the courts the courts are completely out of this they cannot declare an amendment unconstitutional because once it becomes an amendment it is a it's just automatically constitutional all right uh there's no way for the 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 court to to rule something that in the constitution is unconstitutional they would just just have to interpret it now it could be open for interpretation there's that but they cannot say it's unconstitutional all right. The other thing is, why is the bar so high? So why did they, when I say they, the people that wrote the Constitution, why do they make it so difficult? Two-thirds is a, uh, a pretty big number in Congress. Three-fourths of the states is a big number. All right. Um, they wanted to make sure that we're not just randomly throwing out just any old amendment. This is altering the Constitution. So it needs to, we need to be sure that this thing is legit. And so that's why the process is kind of difficult, why the bar is set so high for this. Finally, we haven't got to federalism yet, but this is a good example of federalism. You've got the national level and the state levels working together to create amendments. All right. And then finally, we went over the impeachment process very quickly. Remember, impeachment is not being kicked out of office. It is just charges being filed against you. So if you're impeached, you have officially had charges filed against you. Um, And we've had three presidents impeached four times. So we've had two 
presidents that were impeached once, Johnson and Clinton, and then we had President Trump of, uh, and was impeached twice uh, in the last two years of his term. Um, <clears throat> so they had charges filed against him. What are the potential charges? You've got treason, you've got bribery, and you've got high crimes and misdemeanors. And remember, high crimes and misdemeanors can literally be anything. It all depends on the political climate um, at the time. Typically, if you're a Republican president and you have a Democratic-controlled House, you could potentially be impeached, and vice versa. If you're a uh, Democratic president or the Republican House, you could potentially be impeached for almost anything. Just anything could be a high crime and misdemeanor. depends on what the House declares as high crimes and misdemeanors. What's the process? Uh, three steps. The House, they're the ones that draw up the articles of impeachment. Uh, committee, the Judiciary Committee will do the investigation. They will call on witnesses, get testimony, evidence, all that kind of stuff. And then they will write up the articles of confederation, uh, the articles of impeachment saying, this is what this person did. This is what we're going to charge them with. Also, once it's approved, that goes to the Senate. And that's kind of what guides the trial over there. OK, so once they draw up the articles of impeachment, they need a simple majority vote on the House side to proceed. It then goes to the Senate. The Senate is pretty simple. Uh, they just they're the jury. OK, so they're going to. Uh, listen in and hear all the evidence, the testimony, all those sorts of things. And then it takes a two-thirds vote. This is more difficult, okay? Uh, right now, it's a 50-50 split in the Senate. That means uh, you'd have to get 17 Republicans, you know, or excuse me, 17 Democrats to cross the aisle to impeach Biden right now. You just thought it's going to be tough to find 17, okay? Uh, and then the, the courts, uh, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court will sit and kind of run the trial if it's the president being impeached. Uh, if it's somebody else, then the vice president is the same. Okay. And once again, we've had three people impeached four times. You had Johnson, you had Clinton, and then you had Trump impeached twice. Uh, we talked a little bit about, about why each one was impeached, but I don't think it's super important. Plus, I'm running short of time here as I'm almost to the 10-minute mark. If you want to talk about why they were impeached, then you shoot me an email, hit me up on Twitter, or see me in class. Guys, I hope all is well, and I will talk to you all on Thursday the 19th.